talking all things training, sport performance, and business, and covering the most important topics to enhance your training and better your career. I'm your host, Jared Filippo, and this is Muscles and Management brought to you by Challenger Strength, where we build your body and your business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 13 of Muscles and Management. Uh, welcome back, or welcoming, welcoming myself back and you, because I was uh, off last week. Um, we had done 12 straight episodes. Um, I wasn't fully planning on a week off, but um, once it, you know the stars kind of aligned and it looked like it would be something that I had to do due to time constraints, I figured it was okay considering um, we had done basically three straight months um, of episodes, and I'm honestly pretty happy with um, that consistency considering my schedule um, is, is pretty busy with uh, the athletes that I train and um, running the business end of things and, and all that stuff. So um, I'm happy that we've we've maintained this is our 13th episode in 14 weeks So since we started. So uh, pretty thrilled about that. Moving on from there, today's episode, as I announced earlier this week on Twitter, um, got a, been getting a couple questions and you see a lot of people talk about um, – you know, putting, you know, muscle, uh, gaining weight, putting muscle on, gaining weight and size, etc. So um, this episode is all things relative strength and uh, making sure weight gain contributes to strength, power and speed. So as I always say, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, uh, leave a rating or review uh, and share. It really helps out. I'd appreciate that. Uh, and please continue to either ask questions or uh, suggest topics for future episodes. Uh, I do get questions fairly often, and I will use those to, um, you know, to, to come up with uh, topics for future episodes, or just take things that I talk about and or see on uh, mostly Twitter because um, Twitter is a great place for, for conversation with either coaches or athletes. Uh, I post things, conversations get started, so I do look for a lot of those things to um, use for topics for future episodes. So. Uh, please don't hesitate with that. Before we get into the topic of the episode, I wanted to touch on a couple things. Um, some questions I've received over the past couple weeks um, that I can kind of get in and out with a quick Q&A. So um, the first one, and to just kind of summarize, was uh, a question um, from someone I had spoken to um, a few months back who was asking my opinion on a program they were going to start uh, that basically kind of um, meshed strength work together with uh, more velocity uh, slash nervous system activities, you know, jump and speed training, etc. And they had noticed a, you know, a good increase in their vertical jump, um, you know, right away with the program. And, you know, in the first three weeks, I believe he said, and, you know, lately he's been noticing there, you know, it hasn't, the results haven't been there. So aside from my usual answer, just to, you know, have patience with the ups and downs of a program and just know that, you know, your progress isn't always linear. Um, I, I did dig deep deeper into what he was doing and what he was doing actually was a lot of um we've we've talked about the force velocity curve uh before on past episodes um basically he was kind of going you know really 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 far on the force side one day and then kind of really far on the velocity side the other day um that whole you know mid-range of the curve the strength speed and speed strength was um kind of being neglected and when he asked my opinion 
um, you know, that was, you know, wh- why maybe he was having some issues and what I would suggest going forward and, um, you know, if he should be doing more hypertrophy uh, work or if he should consider doing hypertrophy work, hoping that the gains in muscle would contribute to the gains in speed and strength. My answer, it was two parts, basically, and one of them was the reason for the uh, premise for this episode um, regarding the relative strength in terms of, you know, wanting to put muscle and body weight on. But um, the first part that I said was, you know, Thinking of the fact that, um, you know, you're doing all of this strength work and all this speed work, and what that means is on the strength day, you're doing all this force-dependent movement that's got no, you know, velocity component to it, so your body's really not getting used to using the both both of the attributes together, and same thing with the speed and the jumps, that they're all unresisted, all as fast as possible, all unloaded, you're used to just using all or mostly um, velocity, if like you're doing unloaded jumps, etc., and, and not implementing or using as much force in those um, those movements. Uh, as we all know, you know, speed and general power output is a nice blend of you know inputting as much force as you can into some smaller windows, which is why um, you know the speed strength and the strength speed, whether it's you know temp- tampering or, or uh, altering. The percentages at which you're lifting, or the you know the load you're jumping with, or resisted sprint training, etc., um, really does help because it either forces you to use more force, no pun intended, um, in in a velocity movement, so like using a load for a sprint or uh, dumbbells at a jump, like some small examples, or um, you know lowering the weight on a barbell activity and really you know um, getting the athlete to engage more velocity with a bar movement instead of strictly force. So in my opinion, early on, you'll see some good success in terms of leaving them really separate from each other and working on the opposite ends of the spectrum. But eventually you kind of have to like slowly fade into using both of them together. And I think um, my overall theme here is to say, you know, make sure when you're doing your strength work or your velocity work, slowly bridge the gap between the two because that's the most important thing we need to do in terms of overall power output for athletes, right? Rarely in sport, in my opinion, are you using purely velocity or purely force. There's always going to be kind of like a blend of the two. So um, if you're really looking to, to you know, kind of marry them together for brief periods of time and, and really blend the two and use them both as well as you can together, um, that's going to be your best bet in my experience and in my opinion and what I know about the force velocity curve. Um, so that was my answer to him. I'm not going to really touch on the um, the muscle question he asked me just yet because that is going to basically be my whole premise for the episode. So I will get to that in terms of uh, my opinion on how you should be looking to gain weight, um, if you should be at all, and, and what you can do to make sure that it's you know um, leading towards you know better output in your speed and, and power uh, and athleticism in general. So that was my um, my answer to him, and I think you know hopefully he gets back to me in a few weeks and it's helping him. We'll see. If, we'll see with that. Um, the other question that I had was uh, a father of a youth athlete. I believe he's a 10 or 11-year-old. Basically asking for some sprint recommendations uh, for him in terms of what they should be looking to do at his age. And I think, you know, not to keep this too simple, but my answer basically um, my, my answer basically was to, you know, make sure or, or to limit what they were focusing on. Like kind of keep it small. Um, one, he's young, so throwing too much at him right away is not only unnecessary, but it's going to be too much uh, stimulus for him to kind of like – get a grasp on like if he's doing 
you know, acceleration work, top speed work, like all this other stuff. It's going to be too, too much. Um, you kind of want to attack one or two things at a time with the youth athletes. So it's just the same thing as like if you're coaching them um, in something, you don't want to give them like six cues at a time and they're going to just be spinning all over the place and have no idea what they're doing. Um, you really want to make sure that you zero in on one or two things uh, and make sure that they can focus on those specifically. Um, so not only that, but um, my recommendation for that youth athlete is I think that they can get so much out of just acceleration work in like the 10-yard 20-yard max, like 15 is a good spot too, um, that range. There's so much speed improvement to be had uh, in just, you know, getting them more adept at the proper mechanics of acceleration. Um, Again, my experience with my athletes and what I've seen, a lot of the youth athletes have a tendency to stand up right away when they start to sprint. As we know, we want to get on a nice angle to build uh, momentum and kind of overcome gravity um, through the first, you know, drive phase or acceleration phase of the sprint so i do really really believe that even with a youth athlete or an athlete that hasn't done much speed training before there is so so much we can kind of get out of and squeeze out of the the short distance work and the acceleration mechanics um that we we'd be remiss to do more than that right away in addition it's more of like a uh, you know, building from the ground up approach. That's the start of our sprint and that's what gets us going. So I would say before you worry about the top speed work, build what goes before that. Um, you know, it's it's like uh, your, uh, I guess you could say your change up is as good as your fastball. Or no, I'm sorry. Your, yeah, your change up is as good as your fastball. So if you develop a good fastball um, and you can locate it, it's firm and you can throw it hard, your off-speed pitch has become that much better. So that's the base. So think of the acceleration as the base. Your top speed's going to be that much better if there's a great acceleration phase that it's transitioning from. Um, so I would recommend with the youth athletes, really drill home the, the basics of acceleration, make sure they're not standing straight up, um, get them working on their stride length um, and, and their starts and all that kind of stuff. You can really get a lot out of that, and that goes for new athletes too, um, even who are a little older who haven't done much speed work. I would get as much as you can out of that acceleration stuff um, and see where you can go with that. Um, so that was those were the two questions I wanted to touch on. Though they were great questions, uh, it's like literally the, the exact answer that I gave to both people who asked me. Um, so I kind of wanted to pass that along. Um, sort of a mini rant today before I really get into the um, the, the bulk of, of the podcast on the relative strength. Um, I've been seeing. I don't know if it's because you know I'm 24, so I guess you know you are you, you see on social media what you follow, especially on my Instagram. But like getting very tired of these quote-unquote quick business Ponzi scheme-ish type things. If you know what I'm talking about, it's the person who's posting, you know, come work for me, create your own business, um, and be your own boss type of stuff. The premise of it is that you get in and you get money basically for getting more people in with you. So it's literally like a top-down thing where... You know, you come in and you try to get 15 people under you and then they try to get 15 more people and it's just, it's it's ridiculous and it's just more of what's wrong with today's generation. Everyone wants, you know, satisfaction and gratification very quickly, um, you know, without doing the work. If it looks too good to be true, like if, if someone tells you, click on my story and sign up and you'll be your own boss today and have your own business and, you know, you'll get to drive your own Cadillac, it's probably a load of bullshit. Um, just being straight up and it's annoying to see that one, people fall for it but two, people peddle it and consistently think that like it's legitimate and it's like the way to go about things it's not how it works um, you know y- you gotta you gotta be authentic with, with what you're creating and um, you know I guess to learn as they go through it that like it's just to kind of if you even make any money get rich quick I don't even know if that's accurate 
you know, an accurate way to look at it because I don't know if you even make much money off of it, and rightfully so, because it's just a load of shit. Um, so that's my rant for today. Um, this the, the the faulty illusion of what what it takes to make it uh, in business, especially with people my age, the millennials. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Got to work. Goes with sports. Goes with business. Goes with life. Right. Um, there's no shortcuts. You got You know, you'll get opportunities, but you got to be able to work hard and, and put the time in to, to get there. It's not going to just be you know thrown on a silver platter on someone's uh, Instagram story or uh, on your Twitter feed. So, I uh, just wanted to touch on that. Um, honestly, like, just I, I'll probably start deleting people who post it because it's really fucking annoying. Um, <laughs> if you see them, I'm sure you feel the same way as me. So, um, stop trying to uh, sell makeup in a makeup Ponzi scheme, energy drinks. When I was in college, there was an energy drink one that was like kind of sweeping um, colleges and high schools and people basically uh, were like, oh, we sell these energy drinks and uh, if you sell a certain amount, you get this BMW and whatever. It was like the corniest thing ever and people bought into it and these, these kids literally thought they were like CEOs of their own company. It was just really annoying um, and then they'd all flamed out and they weren't doing it after like six months, which is kind of funny. But... Um, you know, in general, if someone's business depends on just getting people to sign up for something, it's probably not a good idea. So I think I'm going to leave it at that. All right. So rant, mini rants over. Those questions answered. We're back in the swing of things. Um, on to onto the good stuff. So basically. Back to this original question that I brought up with the um, the guy doing the strength training and the velocity training to try to build his his vertical jump. He wants to dunk a basketball, whatever it was. Um, all great goals. So, part of that question lied in the fact of of um, building muscle. Did he want to build muscle? Should he build muscle, etc. So, uh, inspired me for the topic of this week's episode. Relative strength. What is it? And uh, you know, is putting body weight on, um, bulking, um, a lot of these, you know, a lot of this get big quick type stuff. Is it uh, appropriate? When is it appropriate? And you know, if you're doing it, how can you monitor whether or not it's actually contributing to your overall uh, athleticism, uh, speed, power, etc. So we are going to roll with a dictionary definition of relative strength off the bat. Dictionary. I have. Google right in front of me as we speak. Um, relative strength is the amount of strength to body size or how strong you are for your size. This reflects a person's ability to control or move their body through space, a vital trait in athletics. Moving away from that to more of how I look at it. Um, not too, too different. That's just kind of like a, I wanted to give a textbook um, definition of it, uh, you know, Essentially, it's just like I said, it's a ratio. Like, you know, your body weight relative to, relative not to use the word in the, the uh, definition. So, your body weight compared to, you know, how strong you are and how much power you input or you, you put out, sorry, uh, so to speak. So, uh, you're 200 pounds. And to make this super simple, just right away to understand, um, if you're a nerdy strength coach listening to this, don't give me shit for keeping it very simple. I do have to, um, you know, keep in mind that I have listeners trying to understand the basics of this stuff. Um, think about it as like, uh, you know, you could, you're 200 pounds, you could trap our deadlift 500 pounds, um, whatever that ratio would be. If you gained, uh, here, so let's do the math on that real quick. Let me pull out my calculator. So, uh, if you're deadlifting 500 pounds, right? 
and you are uh, 200 pounds. That is 2.5 times your body weight, right? So let's just say you gained, you had, you were like, oh, I had a great off-season coach. I gained 25 pounds. You're only deadlifting 510, or five, I'd say 515 now, but you now weigh 225. So let's do the math on that. 515 divided by 225. So now, you just went from 2.5 times your body weight down to 2.28, so roughly 2.25. So like a quarter of that you dropped off, right? That's a big deal. Now, that all that happened for that to really occur was you gained um, only 25 pounds. Uh, I'm sorry, you gained 25 pounds and you didn't really make, you didn't really gain anything from it. So, you know, in a in a basic sense in layman's terms, like looking at just a strength movement to kind of define that, you know, did that weight really benefit you at all? Um, I, I understand there are scenarios where weight gain is is needed. Um, in the eyes of like a, a football lineman or just you know um, kids who are very thin in general and stuff like that, but there are ways we can try to make it more productive. Um, bringing me to my the most common question that I get: um, Can I gain weight? Um, how should I gain weight? And will it contribute to um, strength, speed, and power, or, or will it slow me down? So, to answer that question, um, understand a couple things. So. Our main goal as athletes is to ensure that uh, body weight is, is conducive to gains in speed uh, and strength output, and if it doesn't directly contribute to those things, uh, it, it's pretty pointless and unproductive. Um, I do understand, like I said, you know, like a football lineman has to be a certain weight for a coach to really be interested in them. I get that, um, you know, but just you know, recklessly trying to put size on, uh, you know, isn't beneficial in that in the sense of that common question. Um, leading down that you know how should i gain weight it's better off being done consistently excuse me i'm gonna take a drink real quick um it's better if it's done consistently and alongside the training so i think the worst thing that i see is when athletes try to put a bunch of weight on while they're not training and then kind of just go in there and use it it's like the easiest way to to just really um, destroy your progress like if you were running at a good speed and, and um, doing a lot of great things and then you just kind of like went off for two or three months and put like 20 pounds on like oh I'm bigger and I'm stronger and it could well be muscle at the, at the same time it doesn't have to be fat um, it, it could still be muscle that doesn't really produce much for you uh, and it bogs you down like sure you have the beach muscles and you look good and um, now you can write on your roster that you're 200 pounds instead of 180 but did it really um, did it really give you anything in terms of your output for your sport the get big quickly methods, um, you know, binge eating I already alluded to, and a popular one, I don't know if it's as popular anymore, but when I was growing up in high school, even before that, you know, loading up on creatine, and um, there's a couple different term type types of creatine, I've gotten into this a little before on uh, Twitter, um, you have your creatine monohydrate, which is essentially um, a buffered creatine, it's, it's basically the quote-unquote good stuff uh, of the creatine, um, and then you have your creatine uh, hydrochloride um, the creatine hydrochloride is the, the one you could associate with the water weight and or bloating um, it's not so much as something you take to improve your performance so, so the monohydrate um, if, if I had to recommend it if you were going to use it like that's what I would recommend um, you know PSA here I'm not like a physician I'm not like literally telling you to go take it so if you take it at your own discretion I'm just saying in my experience with what I've used personally um, and what I've what I've learned, like that's the more effective one. Don't like go take creatine and you know, uh, I don't know, 
whatever happens to you happens to you. If anything, I mean, nothing would. But if anything ever did, and be like, oh, Jerry told me to take creatine. I'm going to sue him. No, I'm not telling you to take it. I'm just saying the difference between the two of the creatines. Now, moving on. Makes my lawyer happy. Um, <laughs> so you have that hydrochloride, the hydrochlorocreatine, and, and that's basically going to have more of that water-gaining, bloating effect, um, which could lead to some non-functional weight. So that is like that, oh, that kid got really big, but it's a lot of water weight. They look puffy. You know, did it really contribute to anything in the weight room or with their speed? Um, looking at the monohydrate side of things, that's more so you're, um, you know, you're using that as a performance. Um, in, it's an aid in performance while you're training. Uh, it's not giving you that bloatiness, cramping, or, or water weight type of stuff. So um, if you're if you're looking into the creatine, I would say watch out for that kind of get big quickly mentality because um, it, it'll lead to, like I said, that unproductive weight gain. Um, so basic moving from there, a basic example um, of the relative strength and its impact on speed. Um, as we know, a big component of speed is the idea of uh, moving our body weight um, as fast and efficiently as possible and putting as much force into the ground or, or into our movements uh, in small windows. So let's look at that uh, in a couple different steps. So first step, you might say, hey, uh, you know, the weight I put on, like we got we to check some boxes off here. So, so first and foremost, the, the weight you put on, did it contribute um, – to more strength or more overall force output. So I used the example of the deadlift before. So you could say, hey, Jerry, I was 200 pounds and I deadlifted 500 and now I'm 225 and I deadlift 615. So you check that box off. Like you're putting more force into the ground in a basic sense of a lift. Um, and you might argue, okay, well, if that's the case, then this size that I put on, excuse me, um, the size that I put on is now going to contribute to my speed. But hold up one second. There's an entire different part of that. As I alluded to a minute ago, speed, force, but also as much force as you can into small windows. You don't have 20 minutes to press your ground, leg into the ground to move, and op- to move yourself, right? It's got to be done rapidly. You want to get your feet and limit your ground contact time as, as, to keep it as low as possible. So what happens is as we're heavier, we now have to put more force into the ground to move ourselves. And it is, as we know, increasingly challenging to put more force into the ground in the same sized window that we were doing previously, right? So step two, we must also make sure that the increased force that we we are saying now we could, we could uh, demonstrate with this weight gain is also able to be demonstrated in smaller windows. Um, if it's not, it's pretty useless. So like if you go if you go gain 30 pounds and you build the force that goes with it, but it somehow adversely impacts your ability to display that force as rapidly as possible, then you didn't really accomplish much because like I said, you have to now – If you, oh great, I'm happy for you if you can put more force into the ground with each stride you take in your speed, but – what could be happening is that your body, in order to put more force into the ground, is sacrificing how quickly that it can do it. So the window that you, you know, your body says, hey, more body weight, I got to put more force into each stride, he's got more force available, all those things are great, but now I have to, you know, widen the window in terms of how, um, you know, how much time we're allowing the force to be displayed into the ground, right? So ground contact time, uh, rate of force development, like, you know, how fast can you move, Uh, the strides and how uh, quickly can you reproduce force, right? So if that aspect suffers, you only have half the equation and your speed is either going to go become, you know, 
worse and you're going to run slower or you're not going to improve much at all. And mostly it'll probably suffer. Um, so we need to ensure that the size and subsequent strength gains also can be displayed in small windows. So really there's two parts of this. So now you're asking me, okay, well, that's great, but like, how do I go about making sure that, you know, this size that I'm putting on, this increase in force is now being able to be displayed in the small windows, and if we can do even better is make the windows even smaller, right, because that'll just even get us faster. So obviously, form and technique. We want to make sure that the weight gain isn't, you know, adversely inf- impacting um, our technique and our form. Is it causing any mobility issues, et cetera? If we get that out of the way, great. Um, you want to kind of eliminate all the uh, possibilities or all the different areas that could arise in terms of um, narrowing down your speed to like finding out what maybe you're struggling with per se or what you need to improve. So find out if the mobility um, and the movement is impacted first to impact technique. Then we're going to find out did the strength help us improve more force? Do we need to improve more force, etc.? I'm sorry, not the strength. Did the size help us produce more force? Then we now have to see. Did the uh, size that I put on and the muscle that I gained, did it contribute um, or, did, or did it adversely impact uh, the, the rate of which I can display my force? So those are the three areas you want to look at. So tests we can look at for those areas. I already mentioned the, um, you know, the, the standard upper and lower body testing um, in terms of strength, uh, you know, basic mobility screens and, and movement screens for the, um, you know, the area of seeing if my weight uh, negatively impacted uh, my ability to move and my technique. And then going to the last part is seeing if um, the weight has negatively impacted, uh, you know, my ability to display force in small windows. So moving to the tests. Um, after looking at your basic upper and lower body strength movements, um, you know, and understanding the ratio of weight lifted uh, versus, you know, your body weight and, uh, you know, how small increases in body weight um, can greatly, you know, have a negative impact on that ratio. Um, we need to look for, you know, other tests as well. So a really nice test before we get to the power start of things is I also like to look at um, a chin up or a pull up. So a chin up or a pull up is a great test to basically see, okay, um, day one, you walk in, you were 200 pounds, you did seven pull ups or seven chin ups. Um, and then day 50 of the program, you came in and you were uh, 210 or 215 and you did uh, six. So now it's like, oh, right, red flag. I gained weight, but I did less um, I did less chin-ups or pull-ups than I did uh, when I was lighter. So I, I pretty much put on weight that wasn't really conducive to uh, my overall body strength. Like as we know, like a chin-up or a pull-up, there's a lot of core involved. It's, it's a pull movement, obviously, but it's a very um, full-body oriented type of movement. It's a main movement pattern. It's like, you know, you're pulling your own weight. So um, if you can't, if you pull your own weight for less reps uh, after you gained weight, then it's like, all right, we might have a problem here. On the other hand, if we had lost weight, you know, if we lost fat, we cut down a little bit, and you go from 207 chin-ups to 188, and you're doing 12 or 13, then it's like, okay, well, I just got stronger, but I eliminated useless weight. So now I'm probably going to be, if all bets, I would take, put the money on the fact that you're probably going to be faster. Just off that test. If I had to pick off that just test alone, that would be my guess. Um, so you got that test after we have our basic strength test. Moving on from there, um, a test that I love for basically giving us a really good illustration of the relationship between the force you're putting in and your ability to display it in small windows um, or the more the velocity side of the force velocity curve is the vertical jump. So again, 
I gained weight. I gained 10 pounds. I checked off box one. I still move as well. I can get things. My body parts still move the best. My technique is good and everything, right? Great. Box number two. My deadlift is up. Um, you know, I, I, I went up 100 pounds in my deadlift and gained 10 pounds. Great. Perfect. Box number three. 200 pounds. I went to 210. My chin-ups went from 7, seven to 12. So I gained 10 pounds, and a lot of it contributed to increase in strength. Like I was, it was muscle that's producing um, strength gains for me uh, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, so great. You check that off. Now, we need to make sure that all of this force, all of this strength, and all of that, you know, all that stuff is basically uh, being carried over into um, and not adversely impacting how much or how rapidly I can display all this, right? Um, it, it's like you get this shiny new car and the outside looks great. It's got like this nice body to it and the big tires, but you don't know what the inside is going to hold. You don't know what the horsepower is going to be. You don't know how fast it goes from zero to 60, all that kind of stuff, right? Consider that your, your last test um, for a vertical jump. So we move to the vertical jump. And as we know, the vertical jump is a great test to the relationship between force output and uh, the velocity side of things. It's a great uh, a movement to demonstrate proficiency in both areas. I've alluded to it on previous podcasts, how we can use the vertical jump um, to test whether or not we need more force work or more velocity work. Um, you know, putting a, ver- putting a person in a, in a position to do a vertical jump with no counter movement um, to see how, they, how dependent they are, how, uh, or not how dependent they are, but how um, productive their overall force output is into improving um, the vertical or letting them do, or, or then letting them do a regular counter movement vertical jump and seeing, um, you know, whether they use force or more velocity in their movements and then how you can program. So off the tangent on that, but we check those three boxes off, right? We go to do the vertical and I jumped a 27 when I was 200 pounds. Then I gained 10 pounds, put, you know, hundred pounds on my deadlift. Um, my chips are up, I'm moving as well, whatever, but I go do my vertical jump and it's either barely any higher than it was at 27, maybe 27 and a half, 28, whatever it is. Um, it's either the same or it's lower. So this leads me to believe, like I know my force is, you know, is up. I, my deadlift, whatever. And I know that the force, you know, is, is a big part of my vertical. If I didn't increase my vertical very much with that weight gain, that leads me to believe that that weight gain isn't going to do much for me into my overall speed. Like, if you're saying to me I want to at least maintain my speed and gain size, then okay, that mission accomplished. But if you need to put speed on and size and that vertical didn't go up or was stagnant, then we have a problem. Um, we have a bigger problem if you needed to maintain speed, you gain the weight, and now that vertical's down. It, it, all, all signs point to the fact that your your speed is probably going to be uh, negatively impacted. So I love the vertical to go along with those other tests that I mentioned as like the final piece and giving us a good idea of um, what we can expect. So the vertical is really showing us, you know, all this force we gained from the weight gain, but can we now use it and display it in this small window? Like the vertical is a rapid load, whatever. Can all this force be shown in that small window? It'll give us a good idea of if we're going to be able to show it in the similar small windows uh, that we're getting when we do our sprint work. Um, so I love the vertical uh, for, for that purpose. Um, I, basically, like these are all tests that we're doing. Um, you know, when, a, when an athlete starts the offseason, they're, they're weighing themselves, they're doing their chin-ups, they're doing their, um, their max weight on the lower body exercise, and they're doing a vertical jump. 
um, and, and all these things. And we're using them as tools to plot out uh, percentages for the program, but we're also looking at it from a standpoint of you know training the, the high school or college level athlete who might need to gain weight while also getting faster or maintaining their speed. You need to make sure that you know you have a, a way of um, you know keeping yourselves honest and making sure that uh, what's being done is actually um, improving those areas. And I think this is like the best combination of things you can do to make sure um, that the size or the weight you're putting on is productive and not hurting you. Um, I, I guess my answer then to that question is, is should I gain weight? Um, everyone's different. Everyone has their own unique situations. If you're in a position where you need to gain weight, um, you know whether it's for, I guess you could say, protecting yourself or your position, um, having a little more, you know, on your body to, to protect yourself going into a season, you know you're going to lose weight throughout the year, so you want to kind of have a little bulk going in. Um, you know, everybody's different in terms of what they need. I would say, I'm listen, I'm all for trying to put some muscle and size on, but do it the right way. Like, do it alongside these tests that I'm alluding to. Um, you know, make sure that you have a way to gauge whether or not the stuff that you're doing is effective. As always, I've said this before um, in, in the Building a Program podcast and, and the test we use and how we go about doing that. You want to make sure that, you know, um, whatever you're doing for A doesn't impact B negatively or that it actually helps improve it. Um, and don't think that just because the weight you gained wasn't fat or, or, or bad weight and it was muscle that that could be beneficial too because I can show you a lot I mean, well, this is obvious but um, there's a lot of jacked up 280 pound bodybuilders that aren't very fast so you can have all that muscle on you and it doesn't really um, it, it doesn't produce uh, the speed that you're looking for or, or it doesn't really help you in any way um, so you'd really you, you need to uh, to understand that like it doesn't always matter what type of weight it is because the muscle could be negative too um, if you put all this size on like um 275 now and I'm, I'm still in good shape compared to when I was 240 like I just got bigger um, put more size on but I'm probably a little slower than I was and not only because you know I have a little extra weight on me but I haven't really um, cared to I mean I'm kind of a, I'm washed I'm a washed up former college athlete and I, I train the athletes now I want to look good and feel good I don't really care too much about how fast I run um, you know if the day comes that I have to train for that that's great but right now I don't but anyway um, you know, I'm slower than I was at 235, 240, even though I put, you know, a lot of good weight on over, over the last three years in terms of like 25, 30 pounds of muscle, I'm slower. Um, no doubt about it. So just like I'm an example in itself of, you know, being careful that the weight you're putting on is actually beneficial. Um, you, you know, you have these tests, make sure you use them, have a process. I always say, have a process, have a plan. Um, be able to check, have a checklist, go through the things and, and see um, and, and test the effectiveness of your nutrition, your diet, your programming. Um, it's all one package. It all goes together. So make sure you have um, systems in place uh, to kind of keep yourself honest and, and make sure that you're doing the right things. And it's okay if you're not because you can adjust. So the, the most important thing is not always being you know, avoid being wrong. It's just be able to know when you are wrong and how you can fix it. Um, so, so trust that process. Um, and really understand uh, what needs to happen for the weight you gain to be productive uh, and lead you to overall improvements in athleticism and speed. Thank you for listening to the Muscles and Management Podcast brought to you by Challenger Strength. I'm your host, Jerry Filippo, helping you build your body and your business.